From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4 BB, VK4 Baker Baker. This is WIA News for week commencing March 25, 2012. ACMA makes new commercial radio standards. The ACMA has made new commercial radio standards that strengthen the rules on advertising and the disclosure of commercial influence on commercial radio programs. The new standards begin 1 May and reflect the ACMA's recent decision to continue regulating both commercial influence in current affairs programs and advertising on commercial radio. The standards were developed following the ACMA's review and extensive consultation with industry and the public seeking comment on the proposed reforms. This reform package strengthens protection for listeners while at the same time reducing the regulatory burden on industry, said ACMA Chairman Chris Chapman. It's to the Holy Land. Yes, for the 21st time in a row, it's the annual Holy Land Contest. Each year, more radio amateurs from all continents and countries worldwide participate in this extraordinary contest. Each one hopes to add some new squares to his existing collection in order to obtain the most exquisite award. Therefore, it is with pleasure that we announce the Holy Land Contest 2012 and invite all radio amateurs and shortwave listeners across VK to participate. This year's contest will start Friday 20 and end Saturday 21 April 2012 from 2100 UTC for. 24 hours. So that's 2100 UTC on the 20th through till 2100 UTC on the 21st of April. Special trophies and new certificates will be issued to participating radio amateurs and shortwave listeners for different classes and modes of operation. Mark 4Z0X, contest manager, says, and I quote, We're happy to announce that last year's digital modes were a huge success as well and will continue with this mode in the present contest. As usual, we invite the entire amateur radio community worldwide to be in on the bands, knowing full well that propagation at times is not in our favour. Nevertheless, we will demonstrate and exercise the spirit of friendship between all radio amateurs. Thanking you for your cooperation and see you in the contest. Speaking of contests, the Trans-Tasman. Now don't believe all you read on our WIA front page news this week. Yes, the date for the Trans-Tasman, as it says, has changed. Yes, it has been wrong of late on this news, and even Amateur Radio Magazine had a different date again. But the date that we had been broadcasting had been supplied prior to a new contest manager taking over from Bruce Wren. Now, Felix will have more on this, plus the new date and much-changed rules later in the broadcast, but just remember... That we only broadcast what we're given, we don't sit here and make it up. And whatever you do, don't blame Felix. Now, who plays ham radio? The DXCC Country Entity Report issued this week shows that according to the Amateur Radio Cluster Network, for the week of Sunday 11 through Sunday 18 of March, there were 226 countries active. Not a bad roll-up. Were you on RF? And if not, why not? The Wireless Institute of Australia paves the way for new amateurs to our bands. What use is an F call? Recently, I had the opportunity to set up my radio in the bush. Having been around the metropolitan area for most of my amateur life to date, that was a whole new, and I might say very positive, experience. 
Laying out radials across the landscape was a challenge, and having set up against the corner of the veranda of the house where I was staying meant I could only put them out 270 degrees, the owner frowning on the notion of running 12-metre radials through the house for some reason. The silence was amazing. No man-made noise, no clicking or buzzing from nearby appliances. Overall, worth the effort. Honesty requires me to point out that the local atmospherics conspired to actually making contacts on 80 and 40 metres, making them nigh on impossible. At the time, I was unable to determine what caused the problem, and research since then indicated all manner of possible causes, ranging from background cosmic noise to the LCD TV in the next room, with several other options in between. Armed with that knowledge, I'll spend some effort hunting next time around. I can recommend that you pick up your radio once in a while, put it in your preferred mode of transport, and place yourself in another location to experience other conditions. It's a learning opportunity every time. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, AR Victoria and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Birthplace of radio becomes a city. Chelmsford, acknowledged as the birthplace of radio and home to the Marconi Company for many years, is one of three new cities created to mark our Queen's Diamond Jubilee. This year also marks the 100th anniversary of the establishment by Marconi of the first purpose-built radio factory in New Street, Chelmsford in 1912. New Street is marked with a blue plaque noting the historic significance. AMSAT receives OK to redistribute KEPs. AMSAT's Ray Hode, WA5QGD, has announced that the organisation's request to redistribute US Air Force Space Command Keplerian elements from Spacetrack has been approved for the period April 1, 2012 to April 1, 2013. Extra galactic milestone for South Africa's CAT-7 telescope. South Africa's CAT-7 telescope, a seven-dish array, which is a precursor to the much larger Meerkat telescope in the Karoo, and to the square kilometre array, has reached another major milestone by observing the radio emission from the natural hydrogen gas HI in a nearby galaxy. Hydrogen gas emits radio emission in a spectral line at a very specific frequency of 1420 megahertz. The astronomers pointed the telescope towards a galaxy called NGC 3109, a small spiral galaxy about 4.3 million light years away from Earth, and located in the constellation of Hydra. The observation allowed them to see HI radio emission of this galaxy, as well as to see how this galaxy is moving. Where the gas is moving towards us, the frequency of the spectral line is Doppler shifted upwards. Where the gas is moving away, the frequency is shifted down. In this way, astronomers can map the way in which all of the gas in the galaxy is moving. International effort at sea gets UT-1FG Maritime Mobile back on satellites. John K8YSE shared an international amateur radio goodwill success story in getting Captain Yuri Bondroff, UT1FG Maritime Mobile, back on the air after a power supply failure at sea. 
UT1FG Maritime Mobile was en route aboard his cargo ship from a Pacific port in Nicaragua bound for Montreal, Canada via the Panama Canal and into the Gulf of Mexico. Yuri, an avid 6-metre and satellite operator, reported that his 12-volt power supply had failed shortly after leaving port. John wrote the bad news was relayed amongst those of us who had been following Yuri and working him in the wet grids as he travelled. Brainstorming started with ideas tossed around via emails. One idea was to buy a power supply and ship it FedEx to Yuri's agent in Panama and hope it got there in time. But Yuri felt there would not be enough time for that to happen, so we only had a few days. Searching with Google and QRZ achieved contact with Captain Manolis Yanu, HP1CQ, also a sea captain and president of the Panama Canal Amateur Radio Association. Manolis was able to find a power supply that could operate off the 220 volts AC ship mains and provide 12 volts to Yuri's IC706 radio. Captain Manolis made his way via motor launch to Yuri's ship and hand-delivered the new power supply. The two captains spent an hour together before parting. Yuri was back on the air working satellites from the Gulf of Mexico. Amateur radio operators and the social media respond following an earthquake that hit southwest Mexico March 20th. Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, is in our newsroom with what we know so far. What's been described as a powerful and prolonged earthquake rocked parts of Mexico on Tuesday, March 20th. The 7.6 magnitude temple hit near the Pacific Coast resort town of Acapulco. According to news reports, some homes were toppled near the quake's epicenter. Electricity and telephone communications were lost for a time. But despite the earthquake's power, Mexican President Felipe Calderon and officials across the country said that there were no reports of serious injuries. While there was some reported damage to the nation's internal communications infrastructure, Mexico's connection to the outside world, for the most part, remained unscathed. So far, nothing has been heard of any activation of any domestic Mexican ham radio emergency group. As we go to air, the only international ham radio organization we've heard about is a group called the International Radio Emergency Support Coalition. IRESC President Erkin Canal, TA0U, in Istanbul, Turkey, worked with about eight or nine hams in Mexico, passing early damage assessment reports to the European continent. Some of this communications audio was posted on Facebook. In Guerrero, Mexico, in the Mexico state of Guerrero, it's okay also. Uh, uh, that's the news I have, the last news I have now. So we try to continue informing to you. This is Echo 1 Telfo Tango. Do you copy Tango Alpha Zero uniform? Uh, go ahead. Okay, you can hear the entire communication session at tinyurl.com slash IRESC dash Mexico dash Quake. But the real story in this case is the response by the people in the affected areas. While telephone and cellular service was jammed, as is the case often after events like this, broadband connections were still open and quite useful. Anyone watching or listening to a broadcast news report anywhere in the world often heard of tweets from residents in the quake area being quoted as news sources and giving short eyewitness assessments via Twitter.
Also, news organizations around the globe were asking people with relatives in the quake zone to call in or post to the station's website the latest news that they might have. In other words, news organizations were literally handling health and welfare traffic that, until a year or so ago, was primarily the domain of radio amateurs involved in emergency communications. Quite a change from days gone by. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. I'm in the newsroom in Los Angeles. Failure of the batteries that powered the ham radio payload of a high-altitude balloon that was designed to float from Texas to China seems the likely cause of a total communications failure with the Near Space Project. Amateur Radio Newsline's Heather Butera-Howell, KB3TZD, is here with the rest of the story. The South Texas Balloon Launch Team lofted the high-altitude scientific balloon experiment, known as BLT-28, on February 11th from near Katy, Texas. The balloon was supposed to rise to over 100,000 feet and float for several days, hopefully reaching its target of Nanjing, China. But as reported here on Newsline, contact was lost with the balloon's APRS tracker just south of the Louisiana coastline at an altitude of 45,763 feet. Andrew McAllister, W5ACM, is part of the group that launched BLT-28. In a note to Lloyd Colson, KC5FM, that was forwarded to Newsline, McAllister says that right now the highest probable failure mode was the batteries that powered the electronics payload. W5ACM notes that the power supply was made up of commercial 1.5-volt lithium cells. According to post-flight experiments, McAllister says that several of the same type of batteries were put directly on some dry ice where they went from 1.5 volts down to two-tenths of a volt. And when warmed up, they did not return to normal output. And finally, this week... A dispute between NASA and some former astronauts over ownership of space artifacts has led to a bill in Congress that would give the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo astronauts full ownership rights. This to items such as checklists and personal logs from their missions. We have more in this report. Known as H.R. 4150A, the proposed legislation grows out of an effort last year by Apollo 13 Commander Jim Lovell to sell the Lunar Module Activation Checklist that had been used to convert the moon lander into a space lifeboat on the periled 1970 Apollo 13 mission. The sale brought a record-setting $388,375, but was put on hold after the National Aeronautics and Space Administration demanded proof that the former astronaut owned the item. Now comes H.R. 4158 that was introduced by Representative Ralph Hall of Texas. Hall is the chairman of the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee. The measure's co-sponsor was Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson, also of Texas. It has since amassed an additional 15 co-sponsors. In a letter to their congressional colleagues, the two key sponsors wrote that the legislation would allow the first generation of astronauts to retain spaceflight artifacts that have been in their possession, in many cases, for more than 40 years. Under the proposed measure, astronauts from the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo programs would be allowed to keep items such as personal logs and checklists. The only things off-limits would be rock samples gathered on those early lunar missions, the so-called moon rocks. After meeting with Lovell and several other former astronauts last month, NASA Administrator Charles Bolden said that these are American heroes. He called them fellow astronauts and personal friends who have acted in good faith. As such, Bolden says that they are committed to working together to find the right policy and legal paths forward to addressing outstanding ownership questions. H.R. 4158 has bipartisan support and is expected to make it all the way through the congressional rulemaking process. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, Don Wilbanks, AE5DW in New Orleans. 
This was not the first time that NASA has challenged the sale by an astronaut of a piece of space memorabilia. In 2010, NASA challenged Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell's attempt to sell a camera that he took to the moon. Mitchell eventually agreed to donate the camera to the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum. Those stories from the Average Radio Newsline. You're tuned to the WIA National News Service across Australia. I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. Believe it or not, this story from our Weird and Wonderful file. This Weird and Wonderful comes to us courtesy of the South Australian branch of the Historical Radio Society of Australia. I'm John VK2JJW. The Ten Commandments of Electronics. One. Beware of the lightning that lurks in an undischarged capacitor, lest it cause thee to be bounced upon thy backside in a most ungentlemanly manner. 2. Cause thou the switch that supplies large quantities of juice to be opened and thus tagged, so thy days may be long in the world. 3. Prove to thyself that all circuits that radiateth and upon which thou worketh are grounded, lest they lift thee to high-frequency potential and cause thee to radiate. 4. Take care thou useth the proper method when thou takest the measure of high-voltage circuits, so that thou dost not incinerate both thee and the meter. For verily thou hast no account number, and can be easily replaced. The meter doth have one, and as a consequence bringeth much woe upon the supply department. 5. Tarry not amongst those who engage in intentional shocks, for they are surely non-believers, and not long for this world. 6. Take care thou tampereth not with interlocks and safety devices, for this will incur the wrath of thy seniors, and bring the fury of the safety officer down upon thy head and shoulders. 7. Work not upon energized equipment, for if thou doest, thy buddies will surely be buying beer without thee, and the space at the bar will be filled by another. 8. Verily I say unto thee, never service high-voltage equipment alone, for electric cooking is a slothful process, and thou might sizzle for hours on end before thy maker sees fit to end thy misery and drag thee into his fold. 9. Trifle not with radioactive equipment, lest thou commence to glow in the dark like unto a lightning bug. 10. Commit thee to memory the words of the prophets, which are written in instruction books, which giveth thou the straight dope, and which consoleth thee, and thou canst not make mistakes. Here endeth the Ten Commandments of Electronics. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ. Special events and on-air contest column, Dateline 2012. Worldwide Fist Titanic Sprint, April 15. VKZL AMCW and Anzac Day, April 25. VKZL Trans-Tasman Contest, 80 metres phone, May 12. VK Shires Contest, June 9 and 10. ZL NZART Memorial Contest, July 1st full weekend. VKZL Trans-Tasman Contest, 80 metres plus 160 metres, July 21. VK Remembrance Day Contest, August 11 and 12. Worldwide International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend, August 18 and 19.
Please make a note of the times for this year's Trans-Tasman. These times vary from what national news was originally given and also differ from the date in the March edition of AR. The VK Trans-Tasman contest will run this year as two contests. The 80 metres phone contest on 12 May and the 80 and 160 metres combined contest on 21 July. The combined contest includes categories 4, 160 metres phone, 80 metres CW, CW on both bands, digital modes on both bands and various combinations of these, including an overall category for both bands in all modes except 80 metres phone. Rules can be found on the VK Trans-Tasman Contest page on wia.org.au. This is now the primary website for both of the 2012 contests. The ever-popular 80 metres phone contest remains much the same, with the most significant changes being a simplification of the group bonus rule, where groups can now be made from any six call areas of VK and ZL combined. See the rules for details. Combining 160 metres phone and the two CW and digital contests on the one night should provide plenty of activity for all interests and allow clubs to set up multi-multi stations for that big effort. Special event stations DX and Beacon and NetAdvice. Here we go again, or not. Planned Mali expedition on hold due to political unrest. Some news in the world of DX. This with word that yet another planned DX operation is being put on indefinite hold. Two weeks ago, members of the Italian de-expedition team announced that they were planning to be active as TZ5T from Mali between April 12th to the 27th. However, their pilot station, Art Lorenzo, IK7JWI, has now issued a statement that the situation of civil war in Mali between the government and the Tuareg insurgents is worsening. Because of this and other concerns, Mali authorities will not issue licences to radio amateurs who may be targeted because of radio equipment. For this reason, the de-expedition has been postponed to a yet-to-be-determined later date. The current XW1A and XW0ZJZ operations from Laos have been approved for DXCC credit. Bill Moore and C1L, who heads up the DXCC desk at AWL headquarters, made the approval official on Tuesday, March the 13th. Down the road a bit comes word that DK9FN will once again return to Timutu province and be active as H40FN between December the 22nd and January the 7th. QSL H40FN via HA8DD. F4CYZ is operational from Morocco as CN2YZ 3 years end. His activity will be from the city of Tangier, especially on the weekends. The Mediterranean DX Club is supporting his activities and is also providing a website with a log check. San Francisco Amateur Radio Club will be holding a special event station, W6G, to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the Golden Gate Bridge on May 26, 2012, at 2000 Hour Zulu to May 27, 2012, at 2200 Zulu. Details on sfarc.org. Finally, in my report this week, Intruder Watch, Enforcement Zone. Boys on 10 metres. The source of some mysterious weak signals on 29.684 MHz with an 81.9 board and 130 Hz shift have been located. According to the February IRU Region 1 newsletter, the signals came from a Spanish coastal area and were audible across all of Europe, but only during band openings and only by directional antennas. 
It turns out the source of transmission was by data well boys. These boys produced in the Netherlands are used for measuring water temperatures and wave heights. They are designed to transmit with 75 milliwatts on frequencies between 27 and 40 megahertz. Dick van Empelen, PA2GIU of Heemstede in the Netherlands, has since visited the data well company and has informed them that the boy transmissions on the amateur service 10 meter band are illegal. The operations chief promised to inform all data well officers about the situation. For VK1WA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. On the media scene, I'm Graham VK4BB and Greece turns off 11 medium wave transmitters. The administrative board of the Greek public broadcaster has ordered the switch off of 11 medium wave transmitters. This is a result of new austerity measures due to the financial situation being faced by that European nation. This leaves only nine medium-wave transmitters with their respective Greek public radio programs in operation. Now don't be fooled, check out the April issue of QST. This April issue of QST remembers the wireless heroes of the RMS Titanic and the SS Carpathia 100 years ago and also takes readers on a voyage to the South Orkney Islands for the VP-8 ORKD expedition. And there's lots more. So set aside a couple of hours, grab a beverage and get ready to have some radio fun with the April issue of QST from the ARRL. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group news. Worldwide Special Interest Groups ATV. K9EID UK Audio Talk posted to YouTube. A talk about improving audio on the ham radio bands given by Bob Heil, K9EID, has been posted online by M3XYP. Recorded at the United Kingdom 2011 National Ham Fest, the video is in five parts and can be found on YouTube. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, CW, celebrating Morse code. New York's QSY Society Amateur Radio Club will be hosting a special event station at the Samuel F. B. Morse Estate at Locust Grove in the city of Poughkeepsie. This in celebration of his creation of Morse Code in 1832. The operation will run from Saturday, April 14th, using a special event call sign K2QS. Transmissions will be centred on 7.034 and 14.034 MHz. Hams making contact with K2QS will be eligible for a special commemorative QSL card. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Internet Linking of Repeaters. IRLP Topic Channels Inaugurated. The long-awaited Internet Radio Linking Project or IRLP Topic Channels have now gone live. IRLP users are now able to log on to reflector channels allocated for interests ranging from DX to music, media history and many others. For those not aware, the Internet Radio Linking Project was the result of research and development by Dave Cameron, VE7LTD, back in 1998. This is a way of using the internet to interconnect repeaters worldwide. With the advent of IRLP topic channels, the concept has developed into a global discussion real-time forum on almost any topic of interest to those signed on. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW. International Lighthouse Weekend registrations ahead of time. The entries for this year's International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend in August are slightly ahead of expectation. 
although only 160 have registered and half of the countries are so far represented. VK3PC Jim Linton told WIA National News that Australia remains in the lead with 35 registrations just ahead of Germany on 33 and the USA on 21 and England 14. Others come from Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Caraco, Denmark, Finland, France, Honduras, Ireland, Isle of Man, Italy, Netherlands, New Zealand, Northern Ireland, Poland, Portugal, Puerto Rico, Scotland, South Africa, Sweden and Wales. The next months are expected to see a lot more seafaring nations added to this fun event. To enter, do visit the website illw.net for the 15th Annual International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, held in August on the 18th and 19th. That's all for this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting for WIA National News. Well, as I keep saying, we have reached the end of WIA News for yet another week. I'm Graham VK4BB. Now, I'd like to thank Brian and Robert for putting the news together last week while I was... uh, off uh, with a little bit of work in a state there. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't get time to uh, visit Ross, but I was down in uh, in VK7 there for the week. Okay, what's happening on the week? This uh, we've got coming up the 14th and 15th of April is the WIA National Field Day. And we'd certainly like to hear from the WIA if they have any stories that they'd like to bring us on the National Field Day. There's only a couple more weeks left for that one, April 14, 15. May 3 to 18, the Whale International 2012. May 5 and 6 in VK4, Radar and Mark, the Clearview Gathering. And May 25, 27 is WIA's annual conference in Mildura. Details for the WIA 2012 annual conference are on wia.org.au. Till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.